This episode of The Approach is brought to you by David Rando and Tax Strategy Pros, helping successful business owners and professionals grow and preserve their wealth without taxes. Tax Strategy Pros, pay less, keep more. The power of becoming untaxable. Welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach, episode 19? 19. 19. XIX. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. I'm Danny Finn. What, what WrestleMania are we at? Do we know? Uh, we're in Seattle. How do you know? Do you, do you look these up knowing I'm going to bring it up or... I, I watched a lot of WrestleManias in my day. Yeah, this, so this is all rattling in your head. It, yeah, so like after 21, maybe, I think I kind of lost it. Gets a little dodgy after that. Well, Super Bowl uh, 19 was won by the San Francisco 49ers, January 20th, 1985. Huh, I was four. Yeah, I Googled that. So <laughs> that was not off the top of my head. <laughs> Just in case we didn't have WrestleMania information. So who do we have on today? Well, speaking of numbers... We, yeah, have, right. <laughs> we have we have Bob Leon. Yeah, you want to talk about somebody who's got a lot of number numbers rattling around in his head? <laughs> oh my god. He and, and you know what? And he loves you can tell he gets so into it and he loves everything that he's doing. Oh, absolutely. And and, and that type of passion is so important to this game. And I don't even think we begun to scratch the surface of what he could have deep dived dove i don't know the word into as far as i mean he barely opened some of those notebooks that he had brought in yeah yeah no he, he exactly so i mean it just we could have we could have talked to him for hours and hours and hours about all the data that he had i don't know how much the, the problem is i think there's a lot of data that people find interesting and there's some that they probably throw away so it's like you'd have to pick and choose like what type of information that you know the bowlers would find interesting Right. So, right. But we'll get him. On. I don't even think we talked about the Bowling Nerd Network. I don't think we did. No. Well, you know, we said it on almost every podcast, and I do think we're going to do it. I don't know how many more we have to do until we start rotating again, but we're going to have a lot of these people. And Bob's definitely one of these guys we're going to have to have multiple times on the show. Oh, of course. Because, I mean, he's always doing, he's always keeping up with, you know, current things. He's at almost every significant tournament. Exactly. So we'll get him on um, and then we'll be back with Spare Thoughts. All right. Well, welcome, Bob. Well, thanks, Jeremy. I really look forward to this. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about doing this for a while now. and You probably come up on more podcasts than anybody else, I would say. So thanks, it's- Danny. I, I, I appreciate it. I, and I think it's because a lot of people are captivated by... We all see the sheets that you have. And for the record, you have more... I don't know what to call it, data, equipment than anybody else we've ever had on our show before. Yeah. You've come with more material. You have a laptop, you have an iPad, you have a clipboard, a binder, a notebook, another binder. Well, I mean, this has come a long way since we were talking earlier before you got here. Um, his first notebook that he had when we first when we first met, like when I walked over, I think you were watching Rick Kamrowski Bowl or something mm-hmm. like that, and yeah. I just kind of came up like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
Well, you know, so first thing, first thing, using statistics for me is, is that's my way of learning. Right. And as, as you know from before, I, I only took up this, this sport in 2018. A very unusual in your... In, <laughs> Which is incredible. Your, yes. Like, yeah. considering, like, what I you're doing myself starting late, you know, at in, in 23. Right. And, and so I came into it, and, and I immediately fell in love. So I, I, I saw... I, I, I bowled 10-pin. I bowled duck-pin when I was younger, a little. Yeah. But not... You know, I was in I was in one or two ten pin leagues out, out in uh, out in Western Massachusetts with my family. But uh, one of my buddies from softball said, "We well, need a player on Thursday nights in Norwood," and invited me down. And I, I, I filled into a slot. And I saw it's a it's a it is a sport like all the gray ones. It, like yeah, really. And it's it's quite a lot different from ten pin. You it's really hard to hit it to hit the pin you're aiming for. Actually, we had a customer in the other day. I think it was a mother son. Um, I'm not really sure the relationship, but I know she said she loved it. She played as a kid, and the son goes, I like 10-pin better because you get rewarded more. And I said, well, you have an oil pattern that goes right into the head pin. Of course you get rewarded more. <laughs> right. So he's like, I didn't, and she goes, he doesn't like it it's too hard. He goes, I didn't say it was hard. And that sounds like that's what you're saying. Well, that's exactly what you just said. <laughs> no, so but my point about about the defense mechanism is, like, I'm missing I'm missing the pin I'm aiming for. I've been, I've been playing with balls since I could hold them when I was yeah. an, an infant. And... You know, ball games for me are, are like. Are, are, you you know, play softball. I, you I play softball. I've, I've been in. I've been in a league every, every year since I was seven years old. Whether whether it was little league, minor leagues, major leagues, you know, high school varsity. I joined the fencing. I, I, I fenced when I was in college. I like sports. Yeah. I, like, I like sports that are hard. I like sports that have a that have a turn. But the cool sports like candle pin and like baseball and football. The ones that ones that have that drama are the ones where the where there's a lot. Of, where you can hit a searing line drive right to the shortstop. Yeah, you know that's to me that's like the spread eagle. You you pound the pin you're aiming for. You, you know maybe the great ones are aiming for the side of the of the head pin, but and you get and you knock down two or three pins or four. Right. <laughs> you get the spread eagle, and, and then you only have a one percent chance of making the spare. That that that's like that's like throwing a long a long pass and it's dropped or or, yeah. or, or the, <laughs> the receiver is tackled and dropped and fumbles the ball and all of a sudden the game's lost right. and you just did the greatest thing you could do. Yeah, there's nothing more debilitating for me than throwing like a spare and then filling with a spread eagle because you're like, I hit the head pit. Right, but, you, but you're doing what you were supposed to do because I mean, you said, Dan Murphy said, yeah. well, are you in, was it you asked him? It, was like, are you in it wasn't your- me that asked him, but it was in the class. Somebody said, you hit the left side or the right side of the head pit. And he said, just hit the head pit. This game's hard enough as it is. <laughs> yes. Somebody said, aren't you afraid of it? I always ask that question because I don't know if the, it, yeah, I don't know how good he the, said some just of the hit, players are. He said, just hit the head pit. And when uh, someone said, aren't you afraid of getting spread he goes, he goes, it'll happen sometimes. He goes, but he said, if you hit the head pins more times than not, you're going to be a good bowler. So, in, in my reaction to that, it'll happen sometimes, is, well, how often does it happen? Yeah. So, right. you know, like, like I, 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 I had some downtime this summer. <laughs> you can ask me about that later if you want. And uh, I, I did a study of head pins, like, like pros, league bowlers, and Tom Olsa, because yeah. everyone, you know, he's in a league by himself in right. people's minds. And, uh, and I, you know, I studied 1,200, 1,196. Six head pin shots, and I found that seven percent of head pin shots turn into spread eagles, and it's not significantly different for Tom also, or for or for league bowlers, or yeah. for pros from classic candle pins. 
Um, and so now I feel a little, uh, so every, every, for every, four, I guess that's every 13 or 14 yeah. head pin shots, you're going to get a spread eagle. Sometimes they're going to happen two, two in a row and twice in a game. Yeah, the thing about with statistics is you can, you know, they don't always happen. Like you said one out of every 14. Right. They may happen three out of five. That's and, that's called the gambler's yeah, fallacy. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, I, 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 haven't hit a, I haven't had a spread eagle in a while, so I'm due for one. Now, that's not true. You were, you were big into a stat for a while about the hot hand. I that that's a very complex study, and I am going to I, I am actually going to con- do that right now. My, my big effort is on missed headpins. It's okay. going to be a compliment to the hit headpins, and I'm, I'm looking only at channel five bowlers and watching like how what kind of leaves does a right. missed headpin produce for a professional bowler. That's a little too early, but my findings there. But but you know we still get yeah. 21 plus percent spares, and and you see different spare rates for different yeah. bowlers. And I, I'm, I'm learning that the second ball is actually as important as the first ball. And for scoring, that that's actually the big difference between like Tom Olsa and the, and the typical pro bowler. They get as many splits as, you know, yeah. pin shots. Tom also makes more spares. He made 78% of his of his makeable spares. The pros, pros made 66. Oh, yeah. That, that 12. 12%'s a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> So I remember uh, the the guy that used to uh, manage this ball in alley, and he, he was one of the owners, PJ McCall. Somebody had asked about you know what do the red numbers mean, and everyone always says splits. He used to tell people nothing. He said it doesn't mean anything in Candlepit. And I asked him at one point why he said that. Now he wasn't a bowler, but he he said something from a non-bowler perspective that really caught my attention. I always wonder if he listens to these, by the way, because he always kind of stays on the sidelines <laughs> and quiet. I think he pays more attention than he wants us to think he does. But he had said that you know there's a he said in ten pin he goes a split to split. But in candle pin, he said you could have a seven ten that's unmakeable, or you could have, you know, the front pin. He doesn't probably know what it was called, and the ten pin <laughs> with a piece of wood on the other side. He said you could have a mm-hmm. bunch of wood on the lane. He goes, that doesn't know how much wood that's on the lane. Yeah, so no. sometimes you see a very makeable two, split. A two in one. A two in one sounds like an impossible spirit. But if you have plenty of wood on <laughs> right, the lane, right? You know, you have that slanted piece of wood right in the middle of the deck, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's true. Well, how many times do you hear people like, I just hit the high low jack. Oh, no wood. No, it was. It was you're like, <laughs> okay, well. I mean, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's it's software that's mainly used for ten. Right, and that's what his point was: is people got all excited when they got a split for a spare, and it's like, okay, well, was there you know a lumber yard out on the lane as well that might right. have assisted a little bit? So that's true. But so when you're when you're getting all this data now, do you think that that has made you a better bowler, or do you think just has made you appreciate the game or all of the above? No, and, and you know that's that that's not what it does. It, it doesn't make you better to, to know that that forty that when I when I get forty six percent of my head pin shots turn into splits, and well, so does Tom also. Or yeah. his is forty five percent. It's not not a big difference, mostly because he makes a few more strikes. Um, but it, that the difference isn't that, and, and it does. And I, I can't like, oh, okay, I'll make more strikes. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't solve that problem. <laughs> like, sort, sort of like you know, Jeremy, when you hit the the right side of the you know the the, the one three pocket, you you get more makeable spares. But you know, if I tell you that. That's a bad interpretation of the statistics, right? You, you because you know because you're throwing a, a ball from the left to right. Of course, the area where you hit your your one your one three pocket is going to be smaller. So aiming for that would probably result in you missing the the pocket more. And so we'd have to do a whole. Yeah. You know, it just it just makes you think about it makes you think about it. And, and I have found you know, so so one thing that that is that I definitely I, I get more strikes on the with my right to left ball that spins a little right to left yep. when I hit 
the, the one-two part. So the crossover f with my ball, and I, and I can't generalize to, to a lot of people, but probably, probably if you had to generalize it, spinning balls, it, it does produce more strikes. And I, ha I had my first triple. Um, That's right. <laughs> so, so did it make me a little better at getting a triple? Yeah. But did I miss the, the pocket? I'm worried that I'm missing the pocket more if I'm going that way. You know, I can't. I, to aim, so really, like you yeah. said, yeah, I aim for the head pin. Right. And then I'm happy with hitting the left side of it with, with that ball. Now, I know Jeremy has said before, you know, when you two have discussed, you know, Jeremy, what are you doing differently when you're bowling, for when you're bowling well versus bowling bad? A lot of times you just say, I'm throwing the ball. Do you think sometimes you're overthinking your shots a little bit more because you have so much data in your head where somebody else is just getting up there and throwing? That's a reaction a lot of people have is just throw the ball. Just look at, you know, and, yeah. and frankly, the think best... sometimes it's a feel, right? Would you... Right. Oh, 100% it's yeah. a feel. And the, the best piece of advice, because also your, your brain and body are so complex that yeah. to think that you can master it with, with a little bit of, of knowledge is, I, I'm, I'm humble enough to know that I can't do that. But it is it is, it is interesting to know something. I've, I've seen, uh, to, to the original point, I've seen bowlers grow incredibly frustrated when they get splits off head pins. And they're getting, uh, you know, is it, is it significantly different from 45%? Not necessarily. Yeah. They just don't think that that's fair. And they, and they get upset. And then to, you know, Jeremy, you talk about like staying within yourself when you're bowling. You, I, I have seen that. I've heard that from many experts, people who know a lot more about bowling than I do, that the that you have to stay within yourself. You can't let your anger or your excitement um, overwhelm the moment. You, you don't bowl effectively, and I've certainly felt that. I've certainly felt you know, what we call it the choke or the or the or the exuberance that one, you know, like you said, the one you know when you when you hit up, hit the four pin after after a spare. Yeah, you're you're throwing in a little extra. <laughs> Trying to get a little bit on it. So I, I think I'm, I'm learning that, but can I can I control my emotions? I've done it in other sports. I'm I'm not that bowler yet. Yeah, I'm really not that bowler. Well, I mean, I feel like can open is a completely another animal from a lot of other sports too, though. I think so. And look, that's why I love watching. I mean, yeah, I, I came into the game. The, the ACSD, and it's exciting that you've taken that over. And but what Frank and, that, and that's did something with I the actually ACSD, wanted to talk about. Watching great bowlers in, in singles, you know, th thanks, Jeremy. So how? Because I wanted to go back to the beginning. Like, what brought you in to start watching those matches? Well, so. so I, I started league bowling. I, 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 my, my initial average was 75 in, in October 2018. I brought that up to 85 by the end of my first season. And then I, I, the next season, you know, that's probably when you met me in 2019, when I, I started thinking, well, yeah. how, how are the guys doing this? You, for, do you this forget well? how long that season last year of ACST lasted. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, because it, it, was, it, was yeah, it was before, yeah. it was like September. And, the, and I was like, you know, Googling candlepin bowling, and, and, and I found the, the the only matches that were going on were these ACST matches. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. There's a there's a singles league. You know, and, and I got to see people people throwing throwing 120s. You know, there's nobody in, in Nor sorry no Norwood, but nobody's throwing <laughs> 120s. I had never seen bowlers yeah. like that except on Channel Five in the archives. And right, and I did discover those. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then. Uh, 
you know, watching them, like, what do they know? What, what you know? I wanted, I wanted to see, see if I could study and if I could break down what they were doing and see if I could learn anything that I, maybe I could apply to my game. And, right. You know, I came up to my peak was around 105. So in, in, in a couple of years, that's that's a good. That's I mean, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at. So. Um, and, and then this summer I had a. Yeah. <laughs> a, 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 I felt. Well, I do I, want to talk about that in a bit. <laughs> I want to go I and I and I think you know, and I, I can't remember who posted. Uh, it, it could either have been Freshy or Cheech, because Cheech has got the Cheech uh, Frank with the ACST, yeah. uh, Freshy with the um, Nico, where they're telling people more and more, you got to start broadcasting these games. Yeah. Because I think it's important because maybe you don't ever go to that 85, 95, 105 bowler if you don't see these matches because you don't know they exist. Because there they really wasn't anybody bowling out of Norwood at the time. I think we have one bowler now that yeah. bowls out of the Norwood. We have Rard and, and Dave Peterson's now making the circuit a little bit. That's right. The but I just meant like yeah. back in 2018, you sure. weren't seeing any of that. And then you have, um, you know, I know Kate's, uh, her mom and her sister both watch it. And then I know Kate will share a lot of the videos and her co-workers when she was a uh, teacher would watch it and then they would go bowling like I think it's big for the game big for the sport and people a lot of times I remember doing this as a kid and then they start to get it it's important to share these videos stream it even if we have bad matches even if 10 pin bowlers, bowlers are going to tool on the game because it looks easy or it's kid bowling I think it's important for the game and it goes to show if it wasn't for that maybe you don't immerse yourself in the sport like you did yeah it, well, well so that the good the good was that there was bowling on TV with, with great bowlers I could tell they were, I could tell yeah. they were just significantly better bowlers than what I had seen. The bad was it was really hard to follow a game when there's no when you don't know which ball they're on, who's leading, yeah. what the score is, even even what the format was wasn't clear, you know, up from the right. outside. And so one of the times I was googling and I remember said, "Oh, there's a match this Saturday." You know, I got one of the announcements that there was a match coming up Saturday morning at at 11 o'clock at Millis. He's like, Millis, Millis that's, that's really close. You know, it's a, it's a 25 minute drive away from my house. I live in Sharon, Massachusetts. And uh, so I just came by with, you know, with this notebook and I was like, you keep scoring in the back. And there were, you know, and, and I just watched and the bowlers were really friendly. You know, yeah. they, and they were, they were like, they wanted to talk about it. And I, and I had a lot of questions like, how do you, you know, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you think about, do you aim for the head pin or do you aim for a pocket? You know, all those, you know, beginner questions that I had. And, and they were, and, and then one thing led to another. I watched the next night, came another Saturday, and then I said, you know, just not, not to criticize you guys, but when I'm watching these games, it's really hard to follow. And I think it would be more interesting if someone just would give the give the balls and strikes. You know, yeah. like if you ever try to watch a baseball game, you know what the count is or what the score is, and they don't show the scoreboard that often. You can't follow the game. I feel like you had said that. I want to say I was bowling Dan Castle, and you would come in, and I said, who's going to come in and just do a commentating? Yeah, it's like here's the and so that, that that's it. Like the third, here's the first ball of the third box. We're in the second string. Yep. Um, Castle Castle's trailing by six pins to Danny. Yeah, and then he throws a double strike and beats me ten four or whatever. <laughs> no, just that that yeah. You know, for the user, because you can't sit. It, it's it, it's a, it's a challenge. You know, you, you get a distraction when you're sitting there on your phone or your tablet, and and, and if you don't if you step away, then you don't know what where exactly. the game is anymore. Right. So you do need you do need. That's so all I said it before on. on past podcasts where if there's no commentating there's no score it kind of takes away from it you know a guy's on his 10th box and he throws you know a double 
nine, 29 box. And you're like, wow, what a great finish. Oh, he lost by 14. Like, yeah. the, the last box didn't even matter. Like, he already the lost. Drama, he, yeah, it's, it's like scoring four runs at tri- trailing like 11 in a baseball game. You know, or a guy throws a six box to win by one. You didn't realize that that was, you know, a clutch six. Like, that, those little things like that are lost when they're when you're not watching every box or scoring at home. Or if you're like me scoring Jeremy's match, scoring wrong. It's true. <laughs> so so that, me, that, that really made me, I, I am still feeling very much like a kid in the candy store here. Yeah. You know, you just haven't taken up the game. Although I put my I put my hours in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> in, oh sport, in sports or I'd, I'd actually done play-by-play for, for my softball league. And I found, you know, just by, by live streaming on, when Facebook Live came out, and just live streaming the game, and I would only do the last couple innings because of battery power and stuff like that. Um, and, and I get 120 views, 170 views, or whatever. But I, it was it was when one of the players um, stopped me and said, "said Bob, you know, I, I finished reading stories to my seven-year-old, and and he, he said, read me one more book, Daddy.'" And he said, "No, no, it's time to go to bed." He said, "Can I watch your home run again?" And he just, <laughs> he's like, "Oh wow, this view, th- this this <laughs> this video has has three or four hundred views, and like a hundred of them are this kid going yeah. to bed watching his dad hit this amazing home run." It was like, it's just Oh, yeah. that moment and it's not just a memory anymore it's like there's actually this this great footage oh, yeah. of, of, of him hitting just a phenomenal shot you know phenomenal home run and, and I that's that's why I do the birthday videos because yeah. everyone like even, even the bowlers like me you get strikes once you know and, and when we when the birthday comes up you can you can just show that and put out a little graphic or something like that and it, it's like four seconds I mean, it's a great I know even for me like when I'm bowling an ACST match and you know I have cable take a video of the girls watching my match like to me it's like that's more important than whatever the score might have been it would have been nice to bowl better I know the video she showed you see me shanking a single and I was like well I, I wish I bowled better on that specific but you know she would be filming all day long if she was waiting for me to make a good shot so and I can't even get my kid to watch one of my videos I know maybe if you were good <laughs> maybe one she's, on, she's on pace to be better than you so but isn't that like an amazing thing nowadays though that we can do a Facebook live video yeah and then that is stored almost forever. Essentially, like yeah. on like I, I don't have enough memory to store all the videos I've made, but I put them up on YouTube and they stay forever. And everyone yeah. can and, and you can search them, and, and you and they get they get they get three thousand hours of watching, you know, in months when I don't even make videos. And I know that's why like a lot of people will say the game's never going to go back to the way it was. Maybe it won't, but I I I'm hopeful. I know some people will say you're an idiot if you think it'll ever be back on channel. I think there's a lot of potential. I think. Starting Candleman Chat was huge. I think without Candleman Chat, we don't have this resurgence. Then the video that's saved forever, the you know the podcast in between Alley Chat, between Ripping the Rack, between what we're doing with interviews. Like, and I've said it before, what we're trying to do is create a place where you know maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, somebody enters the Hall of Fame and somebody wants to hear a story about yep. that guy. Like, I was actually having this conversation with Kate in the car yesterday when this airs. It'll be like two weeks ago or whatever. But I said, isn't it sad? And maybe there is one, and if there is, I apologize for being ignorant. We don't have any stories that Charlie Jutras is telling on audio. Wouldn't it have been great yeah. if somebody sat down with him and let him go for an hour and a half about everything he saw well, and when he was a kid? You interviewed Richie Myrick and got some of those. And, 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 yeah. and that's what made me think of it. I was like, man, what a... What a right. And, and, and same thing with um, Alfie, too. Yeah. Like, he gave us some, some good stuff. But it would have been great to hear it mm-hmm. firsthand. Because what did he see growing up? 
Is it right? Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like those stories are lost. Were there, were there great bowlers like like Holbrook and also you know before who did he, who VCRs did were invented? Yeah. Who did Charlie look up to when he was a kid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And well, then, what are their numbers like? I, I, that well, <laughs> the wood pins. Because even Tommy said, you know, when he was coming up, you know, people said, you know, well, this is easy. You weren't bowling on wooden pins like we were bowling on. Like there's always that lost, right. and that's and why. That's that. So so there, there's another reason we use statistics though. Like one of the things that that any, anyone who's followed baseball like I have, like since I was very yeah. young, about my first baseball card, 1974, Brooke, I had a Brooks Robinson card. Yeah. And his whole career, going back to 1954, is on this little oh, teeny card. And it's like, and I'm reading. Oh my god! Every time he had a triple, they put they put it down here. Every time he had a home run, and it, this guy's been playing for for 20 years. Yeah. And I and I was like, we need this is, and, and I, then I understood the difference between a 240 hitter and a 300 hitter. Yep. But that's only six percent. You know, yeah. 240 out of a thousand, and. It, it, bowling has that. It, it, candlepin bowling, I, I've noticed, it definitely has that. Like the seventy percent threshold is like being a three hundred hitter. You know, as I look at all, I, I, I've recorded. I've got a couple thousand games that I've where kept track of the object rates and things like that. And the, the real difference. Yeah. There's a real difference in, in ball ball control, but it's not. It, it's the control, the spin, and the accurate. You know, you know the, the speed is is also an enormous factor. You don't see a lot of guys throwing 23 miles an hour hitting 120s, even if even when they get to 70. percent So the, yeah. things are working together in a complex arrangement. But 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 the big number, like batting average, like RBIs, like home home runs or your strikes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the, and, and but we don't know that. Like, is 70 percent good? You know, a lot of guys say, oh. I feel I'm, I'm dissat. You know, I'm, I'm not happy unless I'm getting 95 percent of my headpins. Like, well, then you'd be the greatest I, bowler of all time. I, I was always told <laughs> that's impossible. I was always told a, a good bowler hits their object 80 percent of the time, and I had mentioned that to you, Bob, and you went, "Nobody does that." Immediately shut that down. I was like, "No, everyone." That's what I was told. A good I bowler. want to say nobody. I have I have some warped samples where yeah. I have a couple. I have one guy over 80 percent, Jim Putney. But all my games, all the Channel Five games I have are from that string he had where he won like 10 in a row in yeah. 1990, and I. I don't want to trust this sample, but he he did average eighty percent, and I'm I'm up to like 12, 12 or twelve mad games of his, or but maybe fifteen. In my, in my head, if you were a one twenty plus bowler, you had to hit your object eighty percent of the time. Not not a crazy. Uh, Small sample no, size no, of no. one guy. That's just how I'd always. But I mean, think about on. that. I mean, even if you're throwing three balls per per frame, that's thirty balls. What's I mean, what seventy percent of 20, 21. So that means you have to hit your object twenty one out of thirty out of thirty balls. Although Richie Myrick told me lot. he tries to throw under twenty five. So here, here's my other standard. The, 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 there's I've watched of all the games I've watched, and I still haven't seen probably even half the games that Kyle Bruce has watched. But. Um, one time, there was a perfect game. Chris Sargent's 197. He hit every object pin. He so he was, I believe, it was 21 out of 21. Wow! And he had an, in that series where he had a was it a 490. He had a 497. 497. I think the string was yeah, 193. The string was 194. Yeah, that's right. This, he, had, he had one perfect. That that's the perfect game. That's yeah. the truly. That's that's, that's the. Um, and, and other people, I, I've commented on that once in a while on YouTube or in other places. Say, oh no, someone else had a perfect game. Like, no, they missed their object and they made the spare. Yeah, because some people say a perfect game. Is right. 
Well, pin. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's different ways of saying a perfect yeah. game. Yeah, because I know a candle pin, most people say a perfect game is no, you don't it, leave it, a So it may, be, may need a more pristine. Yeah. A pristine and, uh, you know. yeah, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, how do you get more perfect than perfect? And, but there are still, there are good seven or eight games that are, that are, that are all but one. Yeah. You know, Phil Clough had one that was a 147. You know, we wouldn't even notice it. It's like, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, he had a, you know, and, and we have 27 or 28 games now, I believe, where the bowler hit all 10, all 10 objects. If you just use, you know, if you skip the 11th, you know, right. the, the free yeah. rack, you get a more regular st- statistic that way. Those are interesting numbers. And I find, you know, as, as, a, as an, as now, an, you know, what am I, an advanced beginner or an intermediate bowler, um, when I get to meet and, and I get to bowl with some of these guys yeah. now even you know in, my, in, in Tuesday League I go to Union and I get to bowl with Holbrook and, and Wickham and, 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 and Douglas Brothers and, and the Nicholas right. Brothers and like it, you know they want to talk about this stuff because they, they've been doing it all Scott, they, Scott they, they, know, they know these things exist <laughs> Scott almost bowled in the semi-pro for ACST and because we had you know more semi-pros than pros and we needed one more guy he said he was willing to move up and he's battling his brother for first place yeah. in the division yeah. he's, he's really so such different, you know, two of them came from the same womb, but they are yeah. very different. Did you, Tim Douglas, did you see when he made his two and two recently? It was, it was no. posted on camp. He threw a ball and I met, I measured frame by frame. It, 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 it landed in nine tenths of a second. You can do the, you can do the algebra. That ball was going 46 miles an hour, which is faster than Joe Ashline would have thrown. Now, some people say he may have inched over the line, but so you take an inch off of that. But he was also aiming. He was aiming at at the uh, at the at the four pin. So we have to give him an extra foot for that yeah. too. And, and, and that ball. This is, I think there. He may be. He may be the fastest thrower on that we have any television footage of. But he, his object rate. <laughs> <laughs> is is not how would you do that if you could do a yeah, I know we've seen it with uh, you know release time of quarterbacks would you do it from the moment the ball comes out of the hand or you, you, so you have to you, you have to get in your video editor yeah and you have to um, have a clock set up so, so yeah. some video editor, uh, Windows video editor the photo um, you'll get a, you'll get an automatic it'll get a, give you hundreds of a second which is adequate for this and then you you have to go frame by frame on and depending on your footage you might yeah. you, you, the ball may be traveling three or four feet per frame, and you you have to measure it from when it crosses the the uh, the line yeah. to when to when it strikes the headpin. So you got to use a headpin shot. That's sixty feet. Sixty feet per second in exactly one second is forty point nine miles an hour. From there, I, I I won't try to teach you algebra, but that you can do Thank you can measure you. the speed. Please don't. <laughs> you can measure the speed, and you even on old Channel Five games. Yeah. And then you, you can get confirmation of it because the the announcers say, oh, we had a cop in here with a you know with. I was gonna ask, does Sean Taylor have one gun. of those guns? Oh yeah, absolutely. Can we, do you think he'll bring it in? <laughs> Do a contest to see who can throw the pass. We'll get him, Keith Poupre. There's another one in the 40s. I'll, I'll shoot a text. Josh Daly, yeah. See if he'll come in with it. 44 mile an hour, Josh Daly threw. First time I ever met him, he threw a 44 mile an hour strike to win a game. Wow. So we had debt on the podcast, um, seems like forever ago at this point. But he said that he doesn't have to look at your score to know if you're a good bowler. He said, I can just watch you for a while and I can tell you whether or not you're a good bowler if you're putting the ball where you want to put it. What do you think from a statistical point of view? He's using just eyeballs. Mm -hmm. If you're using it from a data set, what data set are you looking for? If you don't look at anybody's score, 
makes you a good bowler? Well, there are two, two things about that. So first of all, some people have, have a little too much confidence in, in, in their opinions, yep. and they, their confidence hasn't, isn't necessarily accurate. Some of them it is accurate, but we, um, so so if, if I told you that that person's a good bowler, and especially if I told you in 2019, I'd be a little dubious of that. Yeah. Um, because it's just he looks like a good bowler. He is tall, like like or like a lot of ball players. You know, he's he's he look, he's shaped like a good good hitter. He right. swings hard. You know, but but then you talk to a, a real scout or a real or someone like like Craig Holbrook, yeah. uh, who he thinks is a good bowler. He's like he's he's looking at ball control. He's looking at a lot of things. He's, so he, he knows or or, or, or John Boudreau, the, the the way that they that they're, they're they're seeing the way that wood is not just where the wood is, but what where it's facing, how it's going to deflect. What can I just say real quick? But, like but it's good, accurate. I was going to say a good example so what, of that. Is some statistic. Well, I was going to say somebody like Bob Whitcomb. If you don't know anything about bowling and you just watch his delivery, he doesn't look like he would be a, a good bowler because right. he doesn't slide. Mm-hmm. Everything you've been taught about bowling, he doesn't do. But then it's like, well, look at his timing. His timing is near perfect. His timing's perfect. The, the ball is as smooth as could exactly. be. Exactly. But you just look at that and you just you think he's just standing and throwing, not right. realizing everything else that he's right. going into it because it's not a typical one, two, three, slide, release, everything like that. Right. So, to go so, so as a statistician, so it's just a, like in, in, for any sport, for anything, you'd say, okay, well, what, you'd, you'd start asking experts and say, what what are the character, you know, what are the things that I could measure, that I could do a experiment? One of those is object rate. You, you can determine that. There's sometimes a judgment over which object they were aiming for. Right. You know, if, throwing at the, if someone's throwing at the, what, the, the eight, nine, yeah. <laughs> with no wood, I don't know if they're aiming for the eight or the nine and they hit the eight, you know, is that really a missed object? Whatever, but you right. with every other, pretty much every other leave, you can yeah. tell that they were. Well, the front pin was the two pin. You're, they're aiming for. What did Bob pin. Brown say? Try to hit the one closest to you. Usually helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so one would be object rate, and that that is pretty reliable. Although there's plenty of times where the guy with a lower object rate wins. Yeah. You know, you, there where one person has a ball that's a little better, or and then the other the other I would measure is speed. I don't know how to measure spin. I have no ability. I know. I know that I know that the angle and spin are obviously big factors, and that, that the really good bowlers are are in a different world. That I and you know, I, I just can't find. You know the what I would love to get is like some type. You know how in baseball they can see like the rotations. Yes. If we can put, and I don't know how much it would cost, probably more than where anybody's willing to put up. But if you could put like some type of electrical not electrical tape, but like something that doesn't hurt the rotation of the ball. And when you release it, it can tell you how many times the ball spun. You need a high-speed video. So remember that only came in when they, when they, when Fox came in, I think yeah. it was a World Series game, and they, and they, they were able to start measuring that. And we could, but that, I can do a high-res image, I can't, I can't live stream it. You have a 4K <laughs> camera. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could begin to, but you're gonna have to do calculations that make that speed calculation seem real simple. I know a guy that's good at calculations. So, the, you notice some of those bowling balls where they have like the stripe around yeah. it? Yeah. So, like, if you could get a high speed camera like that. And I mean, count how many times. And, 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 and require them to throw it across the you know, So, yeah. their spin will show up. I mean, that, that might be the closest we get to kind of. Yeah, I'm just that curious out. if there's a way that we could figure out, you know, how many times a ball rotates. Because I've, I've, had, I've had bowler friends that got that stripe on the ball so they could. 
tell if they're throwing a flat ball mm-hmm. or you know having good rotation on it. Now, do I mean, they th- do they hold it a certain way to make sure? Because I mean, I, if you're throwing it, let's say that your spin is perfect, you know, backspin, just straight line. Not see, that it would. If if I've been meaning to put those on mine forever, I just never did it. Yeah. I feel like what I would do is I would line up the line with like my middle finger. Yeah. No, yeah, but that would be me. Yeah, I was just asking if the people that you know that got the strike, do they make sure that they're holding it or they... They, they, they must. Yeah, I, I or there's no point know. to it. It's cool it's to watch a spinning ball. Yeah. Though. You know, jo- Joey Lister's ball is mesmerizing when he throws that. <laughs> That's a guy I feel like got good overnight. <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes it just clicks like that. Yeah, I mean, not that he was bad before, but I felt like he was like a 112. Maybe he just had an off day out on the bear. And then I went up to cool. Exeter and he was I've watched a lot of doors off everybody. I've broadcast a couple and... I'm, I watch him. I would yeah. watch him. Uh, he just he <laughs> blew the doors off everybody. I told you. I said I was bowling at Exeter, and I said he's a completely different bowler. And then you watch when you came up to bowl, you saw how good he became overnight. Yeah, yeah, no. And then I, I, mean, I was bowling next to him at, at Exeter last month. Same thing. Yeah. Just, Good to see that it, people have that passion. And there's so many different ways that people throw the ball. It, 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 it's it's funny, you know. Yeah. I, I think you guys have talked about the Dan Murphy, like there's only one way to throw a ball. Yeah. Like, and he's like, and then everybody throws it a different way. And then you talk about uh, what Rob uh, Brett, uh, Brown, uh, uh, Bob Brown. Bob Brown. Sorry, take, yeah, <laughs> he'll I, take I bowl with, with Rob Brown. <laughs> he'll take what you do and and tweak it as opposed to. And he always yeah. says one thing. I will give you one thing. So it's a totally different yeah. idea. I mean, there is form. There's obviously form in every almost every expert will say you've got to throw the same way every time you've got you, yeah like and, and we've had this discussion yes. <laughs> about well what pitches throw up. change ups and curve balls and and uh, sliders but, but, but we're not trying to fool the pins <laughs> so and i and i think that's where and i and this is going back to when we started the podcast today where you said jeremy this is a completely different animal where you can throw a perfect pitch or if it's a shootout in hockey or soccer a lot of times I've talked to people who play high level um, you know up to division one college where their goalies in a shootout and I said how do you get that quick reaction and a lot of times they say I'm guessing I, I know where they usually shoot it and base I, I'm just guessing there, there is a fooling well, a shot has to especially in hockey yeah you you can't hit it where they're where they're predicting but I, but I do I mean it. I do feel the closest sport to it would be baseball where you're hitting mm-hmm. a round object with a round object, where I, you could you could hit the same spot every single time, and I feel like you're just going to get a different result almost every single time. I agree with that, but I just mean in the in the sense of if you throw the perfect pitch and the batter guesses the pitch, yeah, he could take a yard. But where in bowling, it's the whole thing of you can't play defense. True, you're just standing there. Hoping that you your offense is better than your opposition's yeah. offense, that you can't do it anything. It takes really advanced statistics to get into that. Like so, the but those I'd love to see advanced. You know, you can imagine that it would require a team of statisticians right. and a lot of data and ca- and cameras. Uh, I just saw a post online that was uh, kind of going after Darrell Revis for not th- getting a lot of interceptions. But if you watched him play, the reason he didn't get any interceptions is quarterbacks never threw anywhere near him. And they have a stat for that now, but that's that's an advanced. So statistic. people. <laughs> look at that and say, I think, you know, he only had six interceptions in one of his best years. Yeah, but that means he's doing his job. Because exactly. They're, they're because not people looking at him. When, yeah. no, in, Bad statistics. We could, like, like who, who had the most pins on third balls? Yeah, well, right. <laughs> well, I had eight standing every time. I've been doing phenomenal. <laughs> like, well, every time Jeremy gets up, there's only one or two one pins two, left. Yeah. And he's usually not, uh, often, yeah. you know, when he has four marks per game, that person's going to have yeah. very few third ball pins. What was the movie, and I think it was like Tom Selleck, where 
Mr. 3000? Where they traded him to Japan, and he said, but I led the league. Or it was like Mr. Baseball? I think it was Mr. Baseball. He's like, I led the league in doubles after the seventh inning at night games in the second half of the season, and everyone just looks at each other like, what the hell did he just say? Mr. 3000 was burning back or something like that. That's what it was, yeah. So be careful what stats you use. Exactly. But the fact that you've been doing this all with the ACST and Nico and Channel 5 and all the other stats, what is there... Is there an end to the data set? Is there going to be a conclusion to the hypothesis, or do you think this is just going to be an ever-evolving thing? That I think it's going to be. I think we have to get to more, uh, more advanced things. Like when, what, what bothers me? I, I hate to say that, or what troubles me is when someone says, "Oh, I'm always getting splits." It's like, is that true? Like, did you, did you do? You know, do you get more splits than other people? You, so quite frequently, I just am bothered by splits more than other people. Maybe. Yeah. This house is a. You know, every, every everything's a split in this house. You know, you hear that wherever. You go. I bowled a lot. It's a lot of centers now. And if this is the this is the hardest house, and this yeah. one produces more splits. Or you always get you always get the seven pin here. Okay. Well, advanced statistics. You have to have a pretty big database of, yeah. of similar under similar conditions. So you something like you know you know like pro series scratch events in two different houses, and then then you might have enough data because because with that many bowlers. Right. Uh, did one of them on head, and then well, let's, let's look at the head pins too. But also, nope. like, did they did, did one get more splits than the other? Right. And I think that 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 I you know I can see that in two or three years, I might have enough information to you know, to answer that question that bothers me. I don't know if it bothers everybody, but it, I don't like it when people react to one or two incidents yeah. and make a pattern. You know, talk about it in a pattern, and then it, especially you, you got to be careful when you're an expert. This is one of the in the training, like I've told you, data can be very deceiving too. Yeah. Um, you know, we could, you know, I can, I can show you the the top bowlers on the third, you know, the most pins knocked down on the third pin. You're gonna you're gonna have these, you know, 102 bowlers are gonna be are gonna be beating all the pros. That doesn't mean they're better bowlers. Right. And that's a bad use of stats, even though it's quantified, it's objective. <laughs> There's a problem with your experiment there, is there or your or your what, what you're studying. Yeah, I wonder if that'd be a way of third ball percentage, how many pins are standing versus how many you knock down. How about object rate on the third ball? That, that's that one that's one pretty too. objective. You because know, outs right. are important. I mean, there's so many times, yeah. you know, we had a junior league bowler just throw a 303, and he was pumped, but I gave him a hard time because I said in that last game you had a one fill in a three box. And the last yeah. box was a one one on his first ball, two on his second right. ball, and whiffed on the third ball. I said, you left a lot of pins out there at the end. Not to take away from his 303, it was first ever 300, but to say, uh, you know, you had opportunities there to probably in spare thoughts we're going to say who it was too but you had opportunities to, to have the better score and I think you know like you said where, where the object is. I think being able to hit on your third ball is important because we've all thrown you know a half Worcester hole what do you do after that oh boy you get you get out of there with a nine, I, or you get I out of there with a two. It, it, I, I feel like when I'm broadcasting, that's actually some of the most exciting stuff. Although it's it, it's difficult because the bowler is struggling, and you and that's when you, they can hear you. Yeah, <laughs> and you're saying, "Oh, you know." Yeah, Sean seven, called me out on that. Seven once. pins still on the plate. You know, yeah. the third ball. That's as important as a fill ball. In a oh spare. yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Your score, and, and it, it is so. So the the viewer needs to know this is a bit really important ball coming up. Because if they miss it, they don't have any more, you know, right. no more chances, and that score is going to come right down. And I don't mean this as a put down, but I bowled uh, Jordan Britton in the ACST. The first game, he had a two box. He went Worcester hole hole. It might have been a three box. I can't remember. But
But either way, in my head, it was I felt like that was almost like a free mark on my end. Like, sure, that's exactly that's a seven pin pickup. If I can get a ten box, yeah. So and that's usually what your fill is going to be six seven pins. I, believe me, I do that way too often. So we talked a million things about stats, and I know if anybody has any stat questions, they can reach out to you. But the whole thing about interviewing people is to get to know the person. Now you you mentioned uh, briefly how you peaked at 105 and then you took a step back. Mm -hmm. Do you want to get into? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it, I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I am concerned that people will react the wrong way. But I, I had a stroke this summer on August 16th. Um, Right after, you know, right around the time I was, you know, yeah. in, in the outrun the bear, I took fifth place in a huge field. Yeah. I averaged 111 that day. And, you know, in Things nine strings, I, I was at the spare time 10 stringer, I averaged over Now, were you wearing the Nintendo Power Glove at that time? I just, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what I was doing. I was like, I was like am I going to use my, my lighter still, balls or my heavier balls? I still <laughs> think that that has more to do with your wrist control than I think it does. does. I think I, but, but it. And I'm, I'm also, you're right, you're pointing to it, the pinky. I'm wondering if that has a grip thing. I stopped, it. I stopped using it. Because I wore the I wore the uh, grip off of it, so and it it's not it's not effective <laughs> anymore. But the wrist is still there, so maybe I you know just tear the fingers off. And so I'm wondering it. if you're getting more rotation because there's an extra grip. So maybe like put yeah. that corn husker oil or whatever that people That's use that right. grip. Yeah. So maybe there is something to that as well. Um, but yeah, the stroke was a uh, so I was I was really lucky. You know, I'm I'm, I'm doing finger exercises yeah. for you right now. I didn't lose coordination. I didn't lose sensation anywhere. I could move my fingers, toes, and eyes and nose. I could remember where I was. I knew what date it was. But, my, but the part of my brain that that picks up the um, the information from your inner ear, the, the in my cerebellum, yep. was black and brown and on the MRI. It, I, I I I lost my balance. Um, I went I went nine days without being able to walk, without falling to the right and in with heavy nausea. Yeah. And as um, we had Chester Cove on recently, yeah. when you talked about your second, not you personally, but your second step is your balance step. If you Correct. don't have that balance, yeah. it's real tough to put the ball where you yeah. want to put I, it. I lost a little teeny bit of my right peripheral vision. I'm, I'm sticking my arm out. <laughs> I lost about 10 or 15% of my, my field of vision on the far right. And my left eye now is better than my right eye, which is new. And my left eye says, I'll take control. And yeah. you're like, you, you close your right eye and aim at the head pin, it's in a different place than if you close your right eye and aim at the head pin. And place where my left eye, <laughs> my, my, my body, if I, like when, when you talked about this earlier, like just, just throw it. So if I just go up there and throw it as hard as I can, I'm going to hit the, I'm going to hit right. the, the seven pin in the next lane because <laughs> that's what my left eye wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had to, and you, and you did, to adjust and you did the, not to go back to staff, but you did a whole thing on uh, degree of differential where how, how, how many degrees you can be off right. without missing right. your object. The cool, cool thing is that it, you know, if you if you miss your target by one degree, so you know if you if you were steering a ship, yeah. and you said one degree north latitude is a head pin, and you miss it by one degree, you're in the gutter. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, and if you miss by a quarter of a degree, 0.26 degrees. My my, my little brother is a is a measurement scientist. Um, you miss by 0.26 degrees, you miss the head pin. So. So if you if you were to sit, put the settings in and then Iron Byron so, so throws when people the ball. sit to say how hard could this game really be? 0.26 degrees yeah. over 60 feet. I'm not a numbers guy, and and these numbers are just making my brain like explode. <laughs> I'm just kind of like taking in all this information just because like I, I mean I'm not smart enough for any of this. Well, it doesn't make you a better bowler to know that, that I only missed by 0.27 degrees. You know, <laughs> next time Jeremy's got like a clutch shot. Don't miss by 0.26. You're only allowed 0.2. 
0.25. Darn it, I should put the settings back on 0.12 and I'll, I'll hit it. But if you had a machine that could do it, you know, yeah. that's what you would program the machine yeah. to do. It must have been that 0.25 that I missed by where I where I cut the 8 into the 9 in Exeter. Yeah, but if you missed 0.25 the other way, you would have missed completely. Mighty Thanks. Ducks reference. Thanks, Coach Bombay. Did you, did you, did you see that? Mighty Ducks? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, at, at, at Exeter, I, I had the seven, I had the seven, eight, nine, and a piece of wood in front of the seven. It, it was, it was for a ten box. It wasn't even for a spare. And I missed the cap on the piece of wood, and I was basically going to go through the hole, and I cut the, I cut the eight into the nine. Awesome. No idea how that happens. There's probably a quarter of a degree there that it'll, you could just hit that setting again and you'll do it again. <laughs> weird things happen at Exeter. I know, uh, yeah. I wish I could, we'll have to ask him, but Parkinson had some weird shot where he had like a pin that was surrounded by like a bunch of wood. He missed it. He went way left, hit another pin that went up, must hit like the catwalk or the tube, and then came down and <laughs> fell on the one pin standing. And he had turned around, so he missed it. So he didn't know it. I was like, you got it. He goes, how? Turn around, the pin was down. He goes, how did that fall? I he couldn't believe. Something went yeah. up in the air, came back down, and landed on top of it. But it just blows my mind. I, I just, I feel like, how is it possible that you can cut parallel pins? You have to hit it so then I, I had that experience once, and I was I was trying for it too. So I thought it was even a makeable shot. It's not. I wouldn't. I, I would go for the middle of the pin. You know, knowing knowing how you're taking so much of the ball out of. You know, if you have two pins like the four six or the four five and the maybe the, the eight nine or seven eight, mm -hmm. whatever you're talking about. Um, that's a, that's that's where you you better be in a situation where you must have the spare before you really try. You know, throw a little extra spin on it and try to cut that or something like. Like that that but I but I you know I, just 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 in terms of because you 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 miss by yeah. <laughs> now we're talking about a super fraction of an inch and you miss that target and if your target yeah. is the is the edge of the ball hitting the edge of the pin actually that's how I hit the you seven, take out the only a lot time of I the seven ten <laughs> you miss that one pin the, so many more times because I hit the left side of the seven pin and it slid across yeah. the ten no wood mm -hmm. that's the only time I made the seven ten still never hit the spread eagle for a spare but I've hit the seven ten clean on it, the wrong way. <laughs> We had, last, again, last month at Exeter, we had two spread eagles hit within, like, a half hour of each other. Yeah, these hurt my feelings, Jeremy. <laughs> the one the one that hurt me the most was Chris Park. I hope he listens to talk about him too much. Chris Parkinson on uh, one of our, I think he was bowling on my Sunday night team, uh, threw a spread eagle, made it for a spare, filled it with the 189, got that for a spare. I was like, awesome, two shots I've never made for a spare. Chris just showed me how to do it back-to-back. Yeah, it's about a one percenter. Yeah, it's hard with low, very low incidents like that. But I got a thousand. I've, I've tracked all the spread eagles I can for a thousand, and, I, and I, that's over here. You know, I have, this, this is my ongoing. This is notebook number three. These, these are all the different variants. Well, this I'm, is a clipboard, not a notebook. Half oysters, spread eagles, clipped eagles, and eagles with talons. And I'm, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm actually, I, you know, I did the initial one on how often they were made and how often they result, result in tens. You know, so so only a twenty. Percent, uh, twenty percent for pros. You know, pros at the one twenty-three level. When they get a spread eagle, twenty percent are tens, and their average score by pros is eight point three. So if you get a nine, you're gaining on the field. Yeah. Um, so you got to think. You got to think. There's because the, people get again like like losing your losing your balance or losing like we're talking about with the stroke or, or or when you, you get mad and, and you, you just throw away the third ball or or you get frustrated because darn it, I just hit the head pin. I got a spread eagle. Here's your opportunity to gain, you know, because other people are going to get spread right. eagles too. This, this is what the way I 
a, a statistician might think about it, is like, well, you know, 7% of head pins are going to be, you know, so I'm not specially, you know, it's not like the lords of you know, candle pin are against me. I just got this, I got one of those, and now, now I have to deal with it. And the way to deal with it is... And, and, and this is why I think 20% is low, because we know that pros can hit the hit the eagle wing, you know, the three pins on the right or the three yeah. pins on the left, that they're 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 57% on that. So all I have to do is hit 57, 57%. You should a pro a pro with that frame of mind should be able to get a 10 more often than 20%. But they do, and I think it's because they're often trying to make the shot and they're trying to they're trying to, they're trying for a shot on the edge of the the edge of the three pin and miss it and then get two, yeah. and then they're over here, and, and they're like, and oh, now i got to try to make it on the other side, and, and they get two more. But, but I feel like that's all situational, because, I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, unless right, the match right. is on the line, I mean, you, you throw an eagle, I'm shooting for a ten box. Yeah, three and that, three. That's it, three and three. If Nothing you, more frustrating though than going spread eagle, two pin, three pin. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, true. I, I mean, great, but then you want to talk about your perfect yeah, game, you hit your object every ball. That, and that, that's where you first, that, that's a good, that should be, you know, and I would be happy with it. I can, I can be happy with, with three object pins and an eight, and that happens. There, there are certain situations where that's you a six. do that. That one's six. <laughs> and and, and it, it's, yeah. it, it, there are situations like, okay, I'm, I'm bowling well. I'm bowling well. And it, but then if you start thinking, well, the, it's this lane or it's this alley or it's this sport that's stupid, that you're missing the point there. I yeah. think. I, you just say, no, I've got to calm down. This is a five-string match or this is a three-string match. or But, but if it's situational, is it the ninth string and that happens? Yeah. <laughs> Tough luck, dude. <laughs> that's true. So, do you feel like you're starting? What's your average right now? Uh, where? In general, what your average average? I'm I'm, I'm at about a, a 101 and a 99 on different leagues. Um, it, it was like I said, it was up to 104. Yeah. And, so, do you feel and, like you're starting to come back to? Yeah. Where you were? Yeah. So I lost my balance and. I, I was thinking about withdrawing from all the leagues. Um, I came back, you, you were here at the alley, and, and uh, I didn't want to go up there and start throwing 80s, and I mean, I'll throw an, I'll throw an 85 once in a while. Yeah, but, but you I didn't to be want your just, average. that to be my average and be in these leagues. And, and like I just said, Bob, Bob Whitcomb called me on the phone and said, you're the last guy, you, we're, gonna, we're gonna put you, you're gonna let you bowl Tuesday nights at Union with you know, with the Hallbrooks, and like that was, and that was a great opportunity. It's as good an opportunity as bowling here in Millis from the semi, you know, with, the, with all the semi-pros, he's like, I like to bowl with guys that are really good. I like to be the, I don't mind being yeah. the worst bowler in the And, in, and a lot in, of that is how you get better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, th- I'm throwing, I always threw some wild pitches, so I, I have to be careful Everybody about does. that. I'm throwing, I'm, I'm losing my balance um, and, and really missing, like like throwing, hitting, hitting the the uh, the seven pin or the ten pin, and again, because I'm falling to the right. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's in the range. You know, it's hard, you're looking for the statistic to measure it. I I, I haven't. I don't get to track my games because I'm playing in them. Yeah. But I've fallen six times, like in those first, especially in the first few weeks after I came back. I, I would lose my balance, have to grab the. Yeah. <laughs> grab the grab something to the side, or just or just, or just fall off into the next lane. That happened. It happened about two or three times in in, in the in the couple years before that and it's ha- happened six times in the, in the next few weeks so I knew I knew you know in my brain in my brain I have to have evidence there's evidence yeah I'm missing and I, and I have wild pitches and everyone 
they're a little more frequent than they should be. And that I sit there and sometimes I oh no, that was me. But you, <laughs> I missed that one. It wasn't that wasn't you having a You had a pretty good game last week, I thought. Didn't you throw like a one forty something? I, I threw a one thirty, yeah. I tri- that was my triple strike game. Um, I yeah, it, my ball's still pretty good. Yeah. I, I can throw in in now, did you I just can't control it now, with my you, body as well. Were, were you sitting on the triple going into the second half? No, it was, I, I had I that you in the first three boxes. Yeah, you opened with the triple. Yeah, and I, I made one more spare at the end um, it, it, in the second half. But it, see, that, see, that's better. I think when I hit the triple this year, I, I went three, four, five, and then I had to sit. Oh, no. And then I'm going up to fill the triple. And, uh, but when I had my one four bagger, I went one, two, three, four. Well, that's why sometimes they tell you... <laughs> Like when you're bowling a tournament and everyone is off on your lane, they've you know all been eliminated. You can't just bowl ten straight because everybody right. else has to sit after five. That came up in and out on the bear mm. at one point. So that'd be an interesting thing to say. Yeah, because somebody you know it's like well, there's two ways to look at it. If you're bowling, you know, if you just can't, if you just threw a you know we'll call it a six box on your fifth, you don't want to sit on that and think about it. You want to get up there and get it out of your head. Or if you have a triple, you don't want to sit down and think about it for 25 minutes. You want to get up there and bowl. One one thing that I've that I am detecting, um, it's and I haven't figured out how to measure, is how important strength and fatigue are to your bowling. Um, I, I'll tell you, I, I got to bowl in the twenty stringer uh, up at uh, Lita this yeah. year, and that was so interesting to, you know, to, to pace yourself. It was like running a marathon. You, you was like, don't sprint, <laughs> you know, don't, you know, like I, I, I can't, can't imagine. And it, uh, it is. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, even a ten stringer is a marathon. Yeah. Or more probably half like a half marathon. Yeah. <laughs> I like ten stringers. I I don't know about twenty stringers. What did you do? Seventeen once. I did seventeen once. Yeah. And then you got eliminated. I lost a baker. Yeah. And as, as I do. It, it's bomb. not just. It, it, it isn't always that your ball speed comes down. It's your ball control. It's the way right. that you. The, and it's your. It's your. I think it becomes your timing. You start holding onto the ball too long. Your feet get too. Right. Quick. I mean muscle fatigue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know you're. You're, you're going to start dragging your arm. Yeah. You know, it's- I think one of the worst is you can't – and I actually had this conversation with a couple of the parents in the kids' league because it's something I would never do. But I've told the parents when the kids are struggling, that, and especially if the, the parents are bowlers, and they say, you know, you got to get your arm. You're holding on to it. I've told parents. They don't typically do it, and I don't know why. I said, you should film your kid and then show them the video yeah. of what they're doing. Because I know for a long time I was bowling uh, – I made the mistake of bowling next to John Blaze, and he comes, he comes so – far up that you can see for whatever reason I adopted that but I never changed my timing and I was letting go of the ball behind me yeah so I was drilling the floor and I'm telling you like I could have been shooting at the 10 pin and my ball would go in the left gutter I had no control over my ball and I came down with Kate at one point and I said can you try to see if you can fix this because I've had everybody try to help me out and then she kept telling me it's your backswing your backswing I was like my backswing's fine and then she said okay go up and bowl and then I realized she was filming me I turned around she goes watch what you're doing I went oh she goes yeah that's Mm -hmm. what you're doing I think sometimes you need to see yourself do it mm-hmm. and go, that's where I'm wrong. Like, and where I'm that wrong. as much as anything. That's why I, I do often film when we do league. Yeah. I'll, I'll, do, I'll just put the put the, the iPad up. And and that was good. 
eight views, and that's fine. You know, I, I don't I don't put them out on the public site. Yeah, usually it's just the know, I just, it, yeah. it just it's not doesn't it's not password protected. But and people say, oh my, I I figured something out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never seen myself bold before, and and you can learn a lot from that. It, it it's uh, it, it's what I learned in golf. You know, watching watching your backswing, the way the the back of the club gets out of control with certain backswings, which I was one of them. Um, you take it take it past past parallel, or the the head's dropping down, and then the head's that the head has to rotate yeah. while you're swinging 125 right. miles an hour. Guess what? You hit a hook. <laughs> and my old my old boss Helen Salou at Fairway, she was a golfer, a very good golfer. She had two club championships at Framingham Country Club. She she always said, if you were good at one, you could be good at the other. Yeah. You know, because she's like, the timing is almost identical. Just, you know, your backswing to your follow-through and all that yeah. stuff. She that's, goes, that's another sport, too, where there's no defense. Right. So that's actually very similar. I can mm -hmm. totally see that. Yeah. That was my, that's, I, I, I basically supplanted all the time I used to put into golf. You used to use a lot of golf analogies for your, mm -hmm. for your ball. <laughs> I, I golfed for 20, 20 some odd years. I was in, I was in the tour of Greater Boston. I got my handicap down to 10, 10.000. Never got to single digits. Could get single digits. So, this might be a touchy question, but we're going to put it out there. Now, you, you said you fenced, and you were, were you ranked as a fencer? Yeah, I was. That's well, not the touchy was, subject, by the I, way. I was, uh, I, I, I was varsity for four years yeah. at Johns Hopkins, and we won the Division Three championships my senior year. You took up bowling three years ago and upped your average by thirty pins. You did softball. You've done play by play. You drive everywhere. You have what some would call a very addictive personality. <laughs> now, I at one point you and I were going to bowl a match, and I said, "You want to get a, you want a beer?" And you told me, uh, "No, I, <laughs> I I hit my limit um, about six years ago, November second, two thousand sixteen." Um, so you just hit a uh, your milestone, yeah, early milestone. Yeah, I. I uh, yeah, I, I, I drank 60,000 beers already, so <laughs> Look, I, I'm, I'm one of the biggest fans. Uh, I, I love the way it scrambles things up a little bit and makes people more friendly with one another yeah. or, or get get deeper into conversations, and I never, I never stopped. I, I, there was no, I, I drank 10, 14 glasses of wine or beer a day for 30 plus years. And uh, it was, it was getting, it was beginning to affect my health, and, yeah. and it was affecting my personality. I, I don't want to be the person that everyone wants to avoid, and, and a little too often that, that'll happen. And it, is that you, or is that the beer? It's both. Yeah. Now, at what point did you realize, you know, I've hit my limit? The, number, the, the ticker hit that final sixty thousand. I was, I, I yelled at a couple people. I wasn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't the best. Dad, I could have been. I wasn't the best uh, husband. I wasn't attending. Like I, I have all these things. I wasn't. You, you spend six hours a day, every day, drinking and getting buzzed. And even even when your tolerance gets as high as mine was, yeah, um, you're getting. And we see that a lot in the bowling community. I mean, it's there's a lot of people that yeah. can put them away. So I'm spending four or five hours, you know, when everybody else goes to sleep, instead of drinking wine and watching shows and getting more and more. Yeah. Deep in a thought, but not really helpful. Well, I, I mean, I'm also, watching goal also, I mean, think, of the, think of the money spent, too. Checking off yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I know, yeah. too, like when we had when we had Tommy Olst on, uh, 
I you we were talking about something about strikes per game or whatever, and then you said, oh, I'll send you some stuff, and then it was like 11 o'clock. I assumed you know we weren't going to get it in time, and then I wake up in the morning and I see I have a message from you at like 12:30 or something like that in the morning. There's this novel that you wrote me about all of Tommy's, and I even read one of them to him because he said, I don't know how many strikes I threw per game. I said, according to Bob Lee, it was a little over two per game. He goes, oh, no, there you go, 1.4. Oh, was it 1.4? Yeah. Two. I can't remember. But he said maybe it wasn't two. Well, two would be that would be like a 400 hitter. That'd be pretty amazing. But whatever. Well, I read it to him. And close. He, and he just went, well, there you go. <laughs> he had no idea. But you, but you do you you can see you spend all of that time. Yeah. I mean, you, I've heard it before. I think it was uh, the rapper Eminem. You know, had a drug problem, and then he said to kind of combat it, he started taking up running. Like you almost mm-hmm. need to fill yeah. the void with something else. And video editing. My goodness, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I couldn't do that with <laughs> my, my tense beer. Um, and those that by the way one thing I've gotten better that better at I think and, and I, I can see I can see what I, I know how to do video editing since I had the stroke yeah but there there again you know I was I was at the novice point and I was racing up a curve you don't get worse at everything you, you don't get better at stuff like I, I was hoping I would be better than I was before it, it it's like I hit, I'm hitting an asymptote and I'm, I'm gonna have to now you know it's probably gonna take six months to get all that balance and stuff back and then I'm back again to you know like I think I can still get better. I'm 54 years old. Uh, well, even both. I mean, I know what you know. Your first year, you know, not just, not you personally, but like I was an 84, then I was an 87, then I was a 92, 94, 97. Then I hit 100, and then I went backwards. There's something going on there that I don't understand. Uh, uh, and I and I can tell you what it was for me. I hit 100 average, and there was as soon as I saw that triple digit come up, something because I used to be like every time I hit 100, I knew I did good. I hit 100, I hit triple mm-hmm. digits. Then my average became 100, and I remember thinking. As soon as I saw it, I thought I was going to be excited because I, I knew what I needed. Then I saw the score sheet and I said, I have to throw 100 every game just to my <laughs> average. And I the bottom dropped out. And all of a sudden, I couldn't bowl again and I just got really nervous. That's interesting. And I put too much pressure. But Jeremy, you had said it to me before where I said, you know, I'm not getting three, four pins better every And you said, you plateau and then you jump and you plateau. It's not always three per year. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's I, I want to ask more people and a, and a few people have, have seen this like what was it that made you you know like these guys like Jonathan Boudreaux took me aside recently and talked about when he got when he had that period when he went from being like a 105 and started to skyrocket he changed his view and you know every bowler this is not necessarily universal but he he brought his aim up to the to the pins and he said you feel dizzy and I said well, that's exactly what I, I don't want to do it because I feel dizzy I feel more dizzy looking at the pins and throwing it's so much easier to to aim at a at a board or something that's really close to yeah. the line, um, and I can hit. I feel like I can hit it, but I don't. You know, if I if, when I look at it, like, like where I'm throwing it is actually not that Which close. Which is the exact reason I don't look at the pins. But I can. But but this thing out there, the sixty, this object sixty feet away, that's what I did the week. The week I had my triple strike, and and I had a little a little leap. But I'm finding it's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard to keep my head up and look at the head pin. I, I can't. Keep wanting I, to look down at the yeah, they weren't throwing. I look at the pins. So I'm. Yeah. You know, I was talking. Uh, I wasn't looking at the pins before. I was kind of looking at some place like three quarters of the way down, and then this this old guy when I was practicing once came over to me. He's like 85 years old. He's like, he's like, do you look at the arrows or do you look at the pins? I said, I have no clue. I'm like, I just look that way. He's like, all right. He goes, I want you to start using the arrows. I want you to do this for like a month, like when you practice. And I started doing it. He goes, it's a lot easier to hit a target that's 10 feet away from you than 60 yes. feet. I'm like, well, that makes sense. And I know that's a 10-pin thing, and I know there's a lot of 
spot bowlers in Candlebit. Actually, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say Carrington was actually a spot bowler. But I don't know yep. that to be 100% true. But I'm like, okay, if I can hit this area every time, like on my first ball, I know that's going to hit I've had that, that feeling a few times, know? and it felt really rewarding where I could see where the ball was landing. It's especially when it comes out a little further away from the line. Yeah. Like, like up, if the spot is a little further up, you can watch it roll across that spot, and that, that gets pretty good. But you also can't measure it. I cut, you right. know, I, I, I got to get a real close angle on that. And I say, think that we you hit your, did you hit your board? The like reason I can't hit, be an object bowler or an arrow bowler for me is because a lot of times like I've thrown the ball left to right I've thrown the ball right to left Bobby Brown yelled at me for changing directions he said it looked like I had a I, it looked like I thought I had a steering wheel on my ball that's what he <laughs> told me and my problem is I can get it on the arrow I can get it on the spot but what does the ball do after that is it going to turn in is it going to curve in is it going to slide across mm-hmm. especially synthetic the ball can slide I just bowled Jordan Britton and he said he, it was like this ball couldn't get a bite on the lane because he used to bowl on wood lanes so for me I just I'm my thought process if I want to hit the head pin, that's what I need to look at. That's just how I've always thought of it. But it, I've heard so many different mm-hmm. theories on it. Yeah, and, it, and, and spin is, we talked about spin being important for the ball action. I, I think there's something, spin gives you so many good things and yeah. it takes away so much. I can't control a spinning ball. Yeah. It, you know, my, I, I know that my pin accuracy, my object accuracy declines, but I also see <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I do a freeze frame, you hit the head pin and it rotates you know, 45 degrees, and then goes back, it does so much more damage than when it topples over right. and you hit it when you hit it straight. The, the spin that, that, I, that I've watched, it, Sean Taylor yeah. out of here with that with that crazy right to left ball. He's the only guy I've ever watched. He bowled an entire string with, he, he, he bowled an entire series with no splits. And that is really rare. As you've seen, head pins <laughs> are producing 40 plus percent splits for most yeah. people. He, it's like, it's like a, you know, because that ball is moving right to left and, and his object rate gets up towards 70% sometimes, he, he's a real dangerous bowler if you get out in the lanes a little more often and travel. Well, if you watch, the, back to the whole, like, where the ball's going and sliding and the chaos of it, I don't know if you watched him bowl at all, but Matt Taylor subbed on the Wednesday Night League. He throws the ball very hard right to, not to, he, he doesn't, no, Matt oh, Taylor. Matt Taylor, right? He doesn't throw the ball hard, but his ball goes very, Interesting. Angled very hard left to right, and he's a right-handed bowler. He bowled, uh, he subbed on the Wednesday Night League, and in the first two games had four strikes and two three boxes. Huh. Because he gets great action on his ball because of how much rotation and how the ball's breaking in, but has no idea where the ball's going. So when it hits the pocket, he does damage when he hits the pocket. I also want to know, like, so uh, Brian Fuller Jr. Yeah. He's not throwing, he's not throwing one of the faster balls. He's, he's got his, he's sliding right to left and his object rate isn't remarkable, but his scores are remarkable. Who was the bowler ball ball that was always like eight drop playing, eight drop, like. Oh, Carrington. Yeah. I could, but I mean, he was de- deadly accurate, rotation, it was just, he spread, just mixed everything. It was just eight drop plank, nine drop plank, you know, and he threw strikes too. But. Yeah, and it's it just, but that's my thing about the spot bowling is, if I hit a spot 
and you hit the spot, but our ball breaks differently, it's not going like, to... You're telling right. me that i got to get the ball to break the same way every single time. Right. And I don't... Should th- be able to control I, it, I don't maybe. think I have that talent. Maybe that's my issue. So. But I always wonder, am I throwing the right ball that I want to get it more accurate? So, so which which of the many types of throws is... <laughs> can I get the most action with? Because that's the one I want to get... Right. If I'm going to have to do one throw, sounds kind of boring to me, but <laughs> if, I, if I can only throw one pitch, <laughs> which one is the one that I'm going to throw? And I went through that as well. That's when yeah. Bob yelled at me, so... We're uh, we're just about at the hour, and now we want to. I, I kind of want to ask. I ask everybody this question, but you know, you've watched thousands of hours of video and all this stuff. Out of all the bowlers that you've watched, who has been your favorite in in all of your analysis? Well, I I think it, it, it's t- Tom Olson because he generated so much speed with that people didn't even recognize. I was I was kind of surprised that his that his because it didn't every it doesn't ball, look like it. every ball was going 41, 42 miles an hour. Whether it was a single pin, you know, the third ball, the first ball, it, 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 I, I, I did about ten different measures on his speed, and he, and he came from all the way back his you know in, in the lane. That's that's what I thought. That was in my mind what you needed, but then. What what so yes, what was my favorite boy? What fascinates me, Corey Packard. Two steps, yeah. maybe a little teen, baby third step in there, and he generates this this 36 mile an hour laser. It, 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 and, I, and then in between, there's there's 14 feet of lane, you know. Um, so that fascinates me. And Corey's ball straight up in the sky. He he, he says he bowled in Norwood once. He hit the hit the television. You know. <laughs> I want to know what creates that much speed on a ball. Like I, I could never quite figure that out. And I'm not going to name anybody's name because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But it's like you look at some of these guys that bowl. I know some have a crazy long backspin, but some of the guys that are throwing the ball 36, 40. They don't look like they're gym rats. We'll just put it that mm-hmm. way. My buddy, who's not a bowler, was a weightlifter for a long time, yep. and he took up bowling for a couple seasons. You know him. He couldn't get the ball over 24 miles an hour. What what muscle is generating? Is it the is it the tendons? What it's is? The, it's a big swing. So you need to get that back that back swing, as we've seen from Corey, is obviously a huge part yeah. of it. Your, I mean, your body can do it too. You can make up for it. Having both and accuracy, that's what makes him. That's that's what puts him in a little. Little I mean, league another, by himself for me. Another, another one, if we're talking backswings, is Justin Waters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's also he's, he's also an athlete. Yeah, he's an athlete. I mean, he's he's a, an assistant so golf golf a, uh, a, I've, club. I've pro called a couple golf. of his games. He's remarkable. It yeah. is his form. His form. But he's is in, an extraordinary golfer too. But I mean, his I mean, his backswing has, hasn't changed since he was 12 years old. I just I, that's the one thing I can't figure out is, you know, and, and I'm not even so back to my buddy who I was saying is a weightlifter, or not anymore. He used to be. Now he's got kids, and you know, dad bought it himself. But he didn't care about the accuracy. He was just trying to see if he get he couldn't get the ball over 30 miles an hour if he wanted to. And all he does is lift weight. It's just it's interesting to me where that yeah. where that power is being it's, generated. Everything's just got to come together. Seven, yeah, really. And that's what I told back to Matt Taylor real quick. That's what I told him is, you know, he's a young kid. He's 17 years old. And I oh, told wow. him, you know, his ball's about 26 miles an hour. And I said, I think you're, you're going to have no problem getting up to 30, 31. I said, don't force it. It's going to come yeah, as. But everything. I mean, look at guys like years ago. I mean, Gary Duffett. Gary Duffett probably threw around 27, 28. Yeah. Uh, 
you'll have to look him up. Joe Donovan probably threw like 23. But he's such a lanky, Matt is such a lanky kid. You would yeah. think <laughs> you would think he would just generate that it, speed with the back. It's hard to control a, a big backswing Yeah, is, is the other thing I've learned. I, I've got 37-inch sleeves. Um, my, yeah. I'm 6'2", and my arm gets, I can't, I can't control the backswing. So, you know, you, you've got to be really careful with yeah. these skinny things that yeah. you call arms. I'm not looking to increase my speed. I'll dislocate my shoulder. I'm getting too old and out of shape. For it's, it's crazy to me when you see these, these you know, guys go up there and throw these hammer balls. Oh, I just don't know where that power is coming from. Yeah, but, Proportion so. helps, I think. I, I've noticed that well-proportioned guys are, are pretty good, you know, as a baseline. Yeah. Bigger base, bigger bigger a base that can move steadily and slowly accelerate is obviously yeah. part of it so but yeah thank you so much Bob for coming out and oh is a kid in the candy store here this is a lot of fun. scrambling my brain <laughs> <laughs> but no thank you so much thank you well that was a lot of information did you digest it all and get over your popsicle headache I yeah, I don't even know how to. It, I mean, I find it like fascinating, like all the numbers that that he's crunched and all this stuff. And I, I also, I also think too, like I think he went easy on us. I think he did too. And I, <laughs> I think feel, he has some of those advanced metrics that he was holding back on just to make sure that we didn't uh, our eyes didn't glaze over. Maybe if he had smarter people in the room, he would have dove a little bit deeper. <laughs> well, I think, uh, like, if anything. You know, this would have been more your wheelhouse. You're like, I'm not a numbers guy. And I guarantee you, like, there was probably a couple times where he's, you know, looking at me and it, it, it kind of looks like I'm just staring. And it's just my brain trying to, like, catch up to what he's saying. Now you know how I feel when a pro bowler comes in. They said, you know, pro bowlers like, you know, Jeremy know this. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Hi, I'm here, too. Now you know how I feel <laughs> when a numbers guy comes in. But But don't get me wrong. It was... It was an absolute blast. And like I said, I mean, we need more people like him that have the, the, the passion for the game and for, you know, providing that information for people. Absolutely. So we do have a couple of results. Um, you were talking about before we turn the microphone on uh, the singles world's event or internationals or nationals, whatever you want to call it. The event that's happening up at Lita lanes. Yep. Uh, who took that one home? Josh Daly. Talk talk about somebody who's in a groove right now. I just he actually I don't know if you saw the post. I believe his mom made a post that in one of the matches in the last four boxes he got. I uh, was 99. just watching that. That's insane. I think he's just showing off at this point. Yeah, yeah. He went. What did he go? They didn't show the double strike, but he threw a double strike. I guess nine drop picked it, and then threw a triple on the end. Jeez. What um, what team is he on? Price's Wood Flooring. All right, so I'm just trying to look him up real quick to see if I can get an average on him. Too many flooring teams. Too. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, flooring and construction and uh, trucking. He's averaging 126 for the tournament. At Lita, right? Although I, I guess Lita's getting uh, getting much better. So, yeah, it's a, from what I, I've seen, it's a little bit faster. Um, so far through uh, 12 rounds, I'm, I'll just go through it since we went you know, with Josh Ailey um, with the singles. So far, what we have for the uh, for the tournament, the top ten, I believe, make the tournament is what uh, I was told. Uh, and right now, the standings are Lucky Strike in first with fifty seven wins. Mm-hmm. Fenway Academy, would that be your team? No, there's two academy teams. So you're not the Fenway Academy team? No, it's a different one. 
Okay, so they are in second, Pricewood Flooring in third, Maria Sub in fourth, Bowling Ball Mafia in fifth, uh, Bolarama is in sixth. Well, they're TBD Bolarama. I'm not sure what that means. Seventh is New England Flooring in backsplashes. Mass Holes is in eighth. Academy Lanes is in ninth. So that's your team. Uh, Oakland Park in tenth. Crazy Leaves, basically the Mellis team, in eleventh. Team USA in 12th, Candlepins for Cancer in 13th, Hatchet Men in 14th, Universal Screening in 15th, All uh, Last Chance Auto in 16th, and All Play in 17th. I believe that's a team from Maine. So um, are they doing divisions or is it just one? No, so I actually was on, I was talking to Brian Fournier about this. So the reason they're only bowling two string matches is because you have to bowl everybody once. So they're not doing divisions because they didn't have an even number. Uh, of teams. So this is like kind of like a mix of like mixed worlds and worlds. Yeah, so they so you have to run the gauntlet uh, two strings now. Mix, I believe you only bowl one. Okay. Um, Correct. But every match you bowl, it's two strings, so it looks like there's six points uh, per match. Gotcha. So uh, you got to run the gauntlet there. So a couple of big highs that we have uh, from the event so far. We have for series. Now remember, this is a two stringer. Dave Barber with a three hundred four. Josh Daly two ninety one, and Tim Hayser with a two eighty one. Now this is through twelve rounds. There mm-hmm. may be more at this point. And then for uh, individual games, Brian Kroll with a 183, Jay Simina 169, and Josh Daly with a 162. Brian Kroll, the, the, the ageless wonder who hasn't changed in the 20 years that I that I think I've been bowling around him, and he's still as effective as ever. I don't think we can call him the ageless uh, wonder just yet with uh, Phil Clough still running around. <laughs> yeah, true. I, so. I, you're true. Nothing, nothing against nothing against Brian, but I think Phil's still got a few on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, yeah, you're right. So, you know, of course, uh, by the time we're back on, we will have the uh, the results because, you know, we're only the once a week show. So but I know Lita does have their link up there. So, keep, you know, keep track of that. I know Bob's doing a lot on the Bowling Nerd Network. So if you give them a follow, uh, you can follow the uh, the stats and everything else like that. I'm sure he'll have the finals um, aired. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did some a re-release after the fact. Nice. So, um, and then you said you saw the result from the King of the River. Yeah. King of the River. I believe Rob Brown is still our King. Very nice. So it's always good. I know that one's a little bit easier to hold on to. Not that anything's easy, um, but they did. Uh, your the returning champion has a 50, 50 shot essentially of, of taking it home. Right. So I know King still- of the Palace did it that you still had to run the ladder unless you rebold off. I think King of the River, you just show up as the king. I think Mason's still, is the same. Still got to win, though. Oh, you absolutely still have to win. But I was confused. I, I I forget who it was, but somebody was like on like 10 or 11 weeks in a row of winning that thing. I'm like, how do you win a tournament 11 times in a row? Didn't, Not realizing it, that Eddie, you know, they were. Eddie Florentino had a run, didn't he? Yeah, it might have been him. And I know Daryl was one four or five times in a row because he kept coming in telling me, you know, he was buying beers for the team because he's like, oh, I won, I won King of the River again. I'm like, how does he keep winning? Not realizing it's a little bit easier when you're uh, when you're the when you get the throne. Right. So, so that's all I think we have for tournaments. Who do we have on next week? We have Dan Gothier next week. Oh, nice. So uh, we're gonna get the nickname on how why everyone calls him Shoe. We are gonna get that story. Good, because I never knew the story behind that. And at this point, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> at this point, I ha- see, that's the cool thing about the podcast. I get to ask questions that I can pretend I already knew the answer to. And I really didn't. It's true. I mean, even I thought I, I knew where it came from, but yeah. <laughs> was I wrong? 
So we get a little uh, sneak peek on that one. And uh, uh, I don't know any big score. The, big, the only one I know is our junior league bowler. We had our first ever 300 thrown by a, uh, a male youth bowler, Matt Taylor with a 303. Sweet. So he currently uh, owns the board as the uh, junior league bowler in Millis. We've only been running <laughs> it for eight years, but uh, he, he has swept the board. I did, although Dave Chesterkov's kid, who's only 11, is uh, is gunning for it. So he, I already told Matt, take a picture of your scores. I don't think they're going to last too long. Well, he's got a good teacher. Yeah, he absolutely does. All about balance and form. So, yep. well, all right. Well, that's all I have. That's all I got. All right. Till next time.